0: Hello, and welcome to the fourth and final episode of our latest Gold Nuggets. I'm Jade Williams, Gold's editorial executive, and in this mini-series, we've been looking back at some of the podcast's most popular guests over the past season. For today's episode, I'm going to be revisiting our season five finale, Christy Siegel's episode, Going the Extra Mile for Patients with Disabilities. So Christy Siegel is the general manager of the Breast and Women's Cancer Portfolio at Novartis US Oncology, where she's a really focused leader with a particular knowledge of the US commercial market. She also prides herself on championing diversity, creative cultures and collaboration within the industry, which was something I was very keen to discuss with her during this episode. On the show, I spoke to Christy about her transition from general medicine to her focus on women's cancer, extending oncology care to people with disabilities, improving equity and inclusion programs, and so much more. In this particular clip, however, I'd like to draw out one of Christy's personal anecdotes on how her experience of raising children with disabilities has helped her to push for better disability inclusion within the industry.
1: I am a mom of two children. Both my kids have epilepsy. Um, And my daughter also has a rare genetic mutation that results in... She's on the spectrum. She's got other developmental uh, delays around her physicality, her gross motor skills, as well as intellectual disability. So I do not have... I have one neurotypical child who has epilepsy, and I have a non-neurotypical child who also has epilepsy. And I would say my first foray into realizing you know, even epilepsy as a disability, which it is for sure, and a disability, was um, when my son, who's my firstborn, was in kindergarten, and he was supposed to go to aftercare um, at, because I was working, <laughs> aftercare at our local YMCA. And now, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, YMCA's. I think they are worldwide, not just a, a U.S. thing. Um, but, but a lot of what a YMCA is rooted in is around giving back to the community and giving equal opportunity to everybody, um, which I really like those values of the why. Well, of two weeks before my son was supposed to start um, kindergarten, and therefore after school care, I got a call that they said they could not take my son because both my kids, when they have a seizure, they have to take an emergency rescue medication. Otherwise, they go into something called status epilepticus, which is res- seizures that do not resolve. A seizure should resolve within like a minute to two minutes at the most, um, but they don't. They just keep, they just keep seizing, and it becomes a medical emergency, as you can imagine. So this medicine, this rescue medicine for seizures, at that point in time, basically you need to give it rectally. And the why had a problem with that because they have a policy against sexual abuse. So I had to I. I'm going to tell you, I didn't handle that well. No one knows what I look like on this podcast because it's a podcast, but I have red hair. So if you can imagine any stereotype about redheaded people that might be on your mind in terms of a fiery personality, I'm also an Aries, and it didn't, it didn't land well when somebody told me that they couldn't give my son a life-saving uh, medication because of a concern and a conflict with a sexual abuse policy. I'm not advocating, nobody is who has epilepsy to have uh, for sexual abuse. They're looking for, if God forbid a seizure happens, that someone can do something about it before it becomes life-threatening. And I took that case all the way up to the, the management of the, the Y, and I fought to overturn this um, because I thought it's just wrong. I mean, how can a, an organization that gets funding from the federal government like the Y Um, And in the world of the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, how can they say no because of a concern and a conflict with their own sexual abuse policy? So I was successful, but that really opened up my eyes to the first of many situations where I have found my neurotypical son being stigmatized or marginalized, not being able to be included in things um, because he had a medical condition. You fast forward to my daughter, who not only has epilepsy in the same type as my son, but also is on the autism spectrum and uh, intellectual disability. So again, some a child, I have a child who I do not know will live independently. Not many people can say that about their kids. They're assuming their kids are healthy and will go on to live independent lives. That is an unknown in our situation, which I'm okay with after many years of working on that. But I bring it up because... These experiences of navigating the healthcare system, of navigating the education system, our society, and what we value in terms of inclusion or lack thereof, many people are dealing with these things, whether it be for themselves or ones that they care about. And so I decided at one point, finally, to take the higher road and make my story public within our organization. And that's when I realized that when I talked about my situation publicly in a town hall, we had, a, we had a program at the time called It's Personal, um, and I, I spoke about it. That story resonated so much. The amount of outreach that I received from people about what they were experiencing, but they were afraid to talk about it. That's when I knew we had a lot of work to do in our organization around disability inclusion. And that's when I raised my hand to become the executive sponsor for what we call our capable employee resource group, which is geared towards people either living with or allies of um, people with disabilities. We purposely call it capable because we want to focus. People with disabilities, they, they, they're not disabled. Like that in and of itself has a negative connotation. They have very unique capabilities um, and points of view that, that are of high value to society and to organizations overall. And so really focusing on what is possible versus what is not. Um, is our mission. We made a lot of progress, but we have a lot of work to do in the areas of self-identification. So we've really improved, especially with COVID uh, access. We have a theme called ABLE from an accessibility perspective, making sure not just our physical offices, but our technology is accessible to people with all different types of disabilities. Um, Belonging, we're specifically measuring um, belonging and how do people with disabilities feel included um, in our organization. Our focus is also on um, leadership and equity. So what are we doing to make sure that we are promoting a culture, not just of belonging, but that people feel that they're included, that it's not just about belonging, but that their needs are appreciated, understood. They're not always being asked to conform um, to, to, to what everybody else's needs are, but that we make it easier. And this is an area in particular where I feel like we have a lot of momentum right now, in our organization, on that piece of not just belonging but also true inclusion. And so, when you ask me what do I think, what do I think pharma and in our industry can do? I think the first thing you need to do is look in your own organization. And, and I mean, our people who work here are representative of the communities we are serving. Whether that be our doctors, how many doctors have autism, for example, more than you would expect or probably presume. In our patients, like we just talked about, I think this just has become more obvious to me working in oncology and really digging in and doing the work to understand what are these dynamics. So I think we have a responsibility that starts at home with our own employee base. And then how do you take that? Once, once you've made enough momentum and progress, then how do we take that focus and impact to the external uh, community we serve? And that's what I'm really excited about you know, in, in the years to come here at Novartis.
0: We love it when our guests feel comfortable enough to share these personal insights. It's so interesting to hear how Christy used the challenge she faced with her own child to bring about change for children with disabilities more widely. Also becoming an executive sponsor for the Novartis Employee Resource Group based on her own experience was a great move and it's wonderful to see how she's making improvements within her organisation. Looking at your own organisation, as Christy recommends, is a surefire way to make sure you're doing what's best for people with disabilities in the external community as well. That does, however, sadly bring us to the end of this round of gold nuggets. I do hope you've enjoyed looking back with me and Isabel. Thank you to Christy and all our guests for appearing on the show. Do be sure to subscribe if you haven't already, as season six will be landing very soon. Join Isabel and I in exploring more of the marketing and medical spheres of pharma, featuring many more amazing insights from guests in the industry. Until then, it's goodbye from me. See you next time.